The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. He's joining us now on the telephone line, Congressman Andy Levin. He is a Democrat from Michigan's 9th Congressional District. He is a member of the Committee on Education and Labor and on the Committee on Foreign Relations. Congressman, great to have you back. Let me play for you a soundbite from Fed Chairman Jay Powell. He testified on the Hill today, not before your committee, uh, but he talked about inflation pressures, which he believes are going to be temporary. Take a listen to what he had to say, and then I want to get your reaction to it. Here he is. In the near term, we do expect, as many forecasters do, that there will be some upward pressure on prices, and also there'll be a technical thing of base effects as the very low readings from April April and March of last year drop out of the 12-year calculation. Uh, we don't expect that those uh, that, that upward pressure will produce uh, substantially higher prices or that the effects will be persistent. We expect that they'll be transitory or temporary. Congressman, inflation, are the union workers, are they worried about it? These are your people. Are they are they worried about inflation? No, I, Kevin, I don't think inflation is at the center of people's mind right now. I mean, we're in the middle of a, of a the biggest public health crisis in 100 years. We've got still very high unemployment. We've got a lot of people out of the workforce altogether who really want to work. You know, we've got a, a, a over well over a million jobs lost in the public sector. So we, we've got to get everybody back to work. And I don't think inflation is, um, you know, a, a real center, central concern. I think the Fed chairman is right in his assessment. You know, you're on the subcommittee on Asia, the Pacific, Central Asia, and the nonproliferation. You're the vice chairman of that, as well as the subcommittee on the Western Hemisphere, civilian concert, security, migration, and international economic policy. I want to talk to you about domestic manufacturing. I was struck by the $20 billion dollars Uh, that Intel invested in the United States to help shore up some of the supply chains for the semiconductor chip shortage uh, that hopefully will create some some American jobs and diversify the supply chain. I wanted to get your reaction to that, but also to to see what we could glean from you about just how important it is to diversify from China, but in a way to also provide jobs here and, and, and link that diversification to manufacturing jobs. Kevin, it's hugely, hugely important. At long last, we need to have an industrial policy in this country. You know, people have have relied on tired stereotypes and, you know, things like, oh, well, you know, we can't make things here because people make too much money or, you know, they're too highly unionized. Well, I mean, look at Germany, much more highly unionized than the United States, uh, much higher labor costs than the United States. And Germany literally has, gets twice as much of its GDP from manufacturing as the U.S. does. Not 10% more or 50% more, twice as much. Wow. We, we, we've seen the national security requirements to, for, because of PPE and vaccine supplies for COVID. We've seen the, the, our, the inability of our car companies to finish making cars because we, we don't have the chips they need. I mean, we've got to 
rebuild manufacturing in this country. And then look at climate change. Nobody's even talking about this, but we, we, we really can't be shipping things around the world so much that could be made all over the place. And that's a way not only to rebuild manufacturing here, but to help, say, our poorer neighbors in the Western Hemisphere get in the game some. Talk about a response to Belt and Road that, you know, of China. What if the U.S. led a massive climate change initiative in the Western Hemisphere where we said, okay, we've got to do a huge amount more of offshore wind, onshore wind, solar, solar thermal, geothermal, battery storage. That's a lot of manufacturing. Let's make a lot of it here and, and you know, sell it or on, on subsidized terms to our neighbors and then help them begin to manufacture stuff for the, their own uh, needs. And, you know, I think we need a real renaissance of manufacturing. It's great jobs. It's a lot of union jobs. The, the know-how goes where the manufacturing is. Congressman, so if we you stop rep- making stuff here, you know, we're not going to have the, 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 the engineering and research either. Congressman, you represent uh, Detroit's northern and northeastern suburbs, the 9th Congressional District of Michigan. I mean, you mentioned uh, a resurgence of, of manufacturing as well as uh, trying to have some some effect on changing the, the global policies regarding uh, climate change. But let me let me press you on this solar panels. I mean, this is right up your right up your alley. Solar panels, polysilicon. I mean, half of the global supply of polysilicon comes from the Xinjiang province of China. I mean, and we all know about the human rights abuses. President Biden the other week uh, joining the UK, EU, issuing some important, important sanctions against some individuals for their cooperation with the Communist Party of China in order to, to, to do those horrific human rights abuses against the Uyghur Muslim minorities. But how crucial is it that those rare earth and minerals and metals that we that, you know, maybe we diversify if we can't do it here in the United States uh, to other parts of the world with our allies? It's, it's, it's absolutely crucial. You know, the, President Biden has brought a, a measure of sanity back to our foreign policy. We need to work. China is a huge uh, problem in many different ways. Intellectual property theft, uh, currency manipulation, unfair trade in other ways. But we can't. Human rights abuses. Human, well, human rights abuses massively, not only in Xinjiang, which is probably the worst, but Tibet, Hong Kong, and on and on. So we need to uh, t- tackle China. We need to get all our allies together and confront China as a group to say, well, you know, we'll trade with you, but you got to trade on fair terms. We're not going to shut up when you violate people's human rights, when you have people working in forced labor camps. And we need to shine light on any American and other Western companies that make goods with, you know, that are made with parts or or materials that come from Xinjiang. So we absolutely need to diversify and we need to stand up for human rights around the world. And and I think Joe Biden's off to a really good start uh, in that regard. Representative Levin, it's Jeannie Shanzano. It's good to talk to you. Um, hey, Jeannie. It's, I hope you're doing well. I, um, I'm listening to this conversation about a resurgence and a renaissance of manufacturing. And one of the things that um, I've been able to work on a little bit is the pro- promises on both the right and the left going back several election cycles to bring jobs back to the United States. And yet what that conversation seems to miss is the fact that Many of these jobs haven't gone abroad. They've gone to AI. So I'm wondering, what 
Congress can do and what you can do, and I know this impacts your district a lot, in terms of jobs that have gone to artificial intelligence and how we can prepare the workforce for that transition, which is, you know, big and promises to get bigger. Absolutely. Well, and just technological change of all kinds. You know, in the night, I got to get my hands on the specific issue, but sometime in the 1950s, the cover of Time magazine had Flint, Michigan on it. And I think GM employed 80 or 100,000 people in Flint alone building cars, and it was the highest median income city in America. Today, GM employs 49,000 people in the entire United States. Wow. So That's a so right. Yeah, you're so right about, you know, that the, the, the nature of work is changing. What we have to do is two things. Number one, we have to give workers the freedom to form unions and have a seat at the table so they can sit with the, their executives of their company, plan together, and not feel like they are on the chopping block. Secondly, we've got to have a much more robust workforce education system so that people can train and retrain throughout their careers as the technology changes. And those, both of those things are quite possible. Again, if you look at some of our European friends slash competitors, you know, they uh, put a lot more money into their human capital so that they're not, you know, workers in Sweden, where, the, where 70% of people have unions, aren't really afraid of technological change. They want their company to be the most efficient and cutting edge it can be so they can thrive over time but they're not worried about their jobs because they have a seat at the table. So I think we can have a higher road approach and have the U.S. be much more competitive, um, uh, you know, on, on the global scene, but also lead in a way uh, much better. And, you know, I, I think we react to the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative defensively and reactively. It's like, wait a minute, we're the United States. Exactly. We have, we're the center of innovation and creativity. Let's, let's, t- let's leverage all that to be, a, you know, a great partner to the smaller com- countries and, you know, help them thrive. And if we do, we'll blow the Chinese, you know, efforts out of the water, which involve a lot of pressure on com- um, countries and a lot of uh, loans that they have to mm-hmm. pay back. So I think we could do a lot. To, it comes down to, to trust. Our economy. It comes yeah. down to trust. And people don't, I mean, people don't trust the Communist Party of China. Look, Congressman Andy Levin's with us. He's a Democrat from Michigan. I want to keep it domestic just to, to, to piggyback off of what Jeannie Shanzano, our Bloomberg Politics contributor, was just uh, alluding to and, and that, that you had just mentioned. You know, they, it used to be all politics, all politics is, is personal. Well, now all politics is plastic and all policy is personal. And so when we're having a conversation about reworking the energy sector, not just in the United States, but globally, candidly, I hear this from folks back home, which is where's the money for retraining? If you're going to have, whether it's a stimulus package or past executive orders uh, under the under the notion of uh, addressing climate change, well, what are you going to do with refinery workers? And so you alluded to, to what Switzerland does, what Germany does. But, Congressman, where is the money to retrain employees, not just when they're fresh out of college, not just with um, uh, 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 schools and teenagers and, and, and going into vocational training programs, but at 40 years old, in their 50s, and yes, even in their 60s, so that they can continue 
to have economic income, good paying quality jobs. Now you're really getting into my train, Kevin. <laughs> so this, first of all, this, this has got to become a thing to talk about on Bloomberg. What, what a, what Here a I am. Delco has arrived. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a boilermaker, a pipe fitter or a laborer says when you tell them to go, you know, you're not going to work in the fossil fuel industry anymore. You go put up solar panels. They say blank, blank you. Yeah. Those aren't jobs. I know like they do. Jobs. And well, the, so the first thing that has to happen, I'm going to hit on this over and over again, is we've got to pass the PRO Act and restore the freedom to form unions and bargain collectively in this country so that, those, so that all those new industry jobs can be good middle-class jobs, just like the auto and rubber and steel industries, which were horrible, low-paying, dangerous jobs 100 years ago, were turned into the aristocracy of the middle class because the workers organized. And, you know, I've just been down in Bessemer, Alabama at the Amazon facility. You know, that's one whole thing. But on your other point, how do I know it can be done? Because I already did it. You know, I ran the Michigan workforce system for the whole 49 months when Michigan, 49 straight months, we had the highest unemployment rate of any state. And I, we created a program called, called No Worker Left Behind. It was essentially a free college program. Every worker, un, underemployed or underemployed worker, could get up to two years of, of free tuition, up to $10,000 worth at any Michigan community college or university or approved training program to as long as they studied for the skills, certificates, or degrees needed for an in-demand job in Michigan. And people said, oh, Michigan, like you said, they're 30, they're 40. We work with our hands in Michigan. They don't want to go to school. They don't want to be next to some kid who's with tattoos and, you know, whatever their stereotype is, young people. You know what? <laughs> Kevin, we got 83 counties in Michigan. We had a waiting list for No Worker Left Behind in 83 counties, wow. and we put 162,000 Michigan workers back to school. Wow. The vast majority of them got jobs in, you know, healthcare, nanotechnology, robotics, other advanced manufacturing areas, IT. So we, we can do it, but you're right. We haven't invested adequately. Watch what Joe, watch what Joe Biden proposes. And I was just at the White House yesterday meeting with um, his chief of staff and his other top lieutenants. The degree to which they want to partner with us is still kind of amazing to me. And, um, you know, they are going – workforce is going to be a central part of what they propose in the coming weeks. Yeah, I still I still say, I mean, and this is where I'm going to be geographically biased given where I grew up. People want to work. They don't want to they don't want to not have a job. People want to work. It's a uniquely American spirit uh notion and 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 I and you know, and encouraging people to want to work, to want to get back to the office, to want to 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 create, to to elevate, to 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 really get on their uh, and contribute to make a contribution to, to society. That's American. That's uniquely American. Congressman Andy Levin, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for stopping by and uh, talking about policy issues. All policy is personal. That's Congressman Andy Levin. He's a Democrat from Michigan. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state 
influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.